Hi, I'm Matthew, and uh, I've come to talk to you about the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath. And I thought you'd like to know a little bit about who I am. I am a father, I have a son and a daughter, and they're both married, and I'm a husband. I've been married to Nancy for 34 years. I'm not a theologian. I'm an amateur theologian. I'm, by training, uh, a doctor. And I practiced emergency medicine for a long time. And you might not know what the hardest thing about emergency medicine is. For me, it's that nobody wants to get your phone call. Nobody wants to hear from an ER doctor today, true? Doctors don't want to hear from an ER doctor because it'll disturb them and they have to admit the patient. People don't want to hear. And you have to give some really bad news sometimes. I remember a morning that I had to call somebody first thing in the morning and say, I have bad news and really bad news. Which do you want first? And the guy said, I guess I'll take the bad news. And I said, I've looked at your labs. You've got one day to live. And he said, you're kidding. What's the really bad news? And I said, I couldn't get a hold of you yesterday. So. <laughs> <clears throat> I've... My wife is looking like, uh-oh, I've never told that joke, and, uh, <laughs> and I may not be telling it again. Uh, <laughs> Twelve years ago, in the midst of a lot of bad things going on around me, and uh, my, my brother-in-law drowned in front of my kids, and just one bad thing after another, uh, I picked up a Bible in a waiting room, and I had never read it before, and I was overcome by this urge to see what was inside, but I didn't have one at home. My wife was raised as a Jew. I didn't believe in God, and I wanted to read it, and so I stole it. <laughs> and... And I read the Bible for the first time, and it changed my life. Everything about my life changed. I met the Lord. And, and one after another, the people in my family, my, my son first, and then my wife, and then my daughter, all read that same Bible and became followers of Christ. Uh, <clears throat> I may have to come back and tell us the full sermon on that with the story or something. But I read that Bible in, uh, in abstraction from many other people. I didn't know any other Christians. I didn't have a Christian friend or anything. And so when I read the Bible, I thought when I came across the Ten Commandments that you were supposed to keep them. And nobody told me otherwise. So our family started keeping the Sabbath. And we have kept it ever since. 
And, um, and this is the good news I have to tell you and the really good news, <laughs> okay? Times have changed. Uh, I can tell people great news. It really works. It is one of the greatest blessings that I could fathom or imagine. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to depart from script. And this is New England, correct? You guys are the biggest eggheads on the planet up here, okay? <laughs> so you'll appreciate this. My kids have kept the Sabbath for the last 12 years. And I remember somebody saying, because they went to a really tough high school, that your kids won't be able to keep up. And they never did homework on Sunday. We went to church, we came home, we put it in barked. They did no homework. Uh, here's how the story ends. My, my son graduated first in his high school class. My daughter didn't graduate from high school. My son graduated first in his college class. My daughter graduated first in her college class, age 19, two degrees. Okay? My, yeah. This is New England. They applaud for that. My son went to medical school, youngest medical school graduate at his medical school ever, first in his class. He's had the same experience in residency. He's run the teaching award every year in a thousand bed hospital. Now, they're good students. They got a Jewish mom. <laughs> but how did they do that? They had something nobody else had. They had one day a week that they didn't have to work. And that is a profound thing in life. Uh, and it's something that I grew up with when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't have to work one day a week, uh, but I, it didn't turn out the same for me in school. Anyways, um, <laughs> we live in this world that's forgotten the Sabbath. Civilizations had it for 2,000 years, and just in one generation, we've decided to embark on this experiment of not having it anymore. We live in a world where you can do anything at any time. Three in the morning, you can buy a car. Four in the morning, you can take a college class. You can have a three-minute egg in 30 seconds. <laughs> That's the kind of world we live in. We have every time-saving device that that was imaginable in science fiction a decade or two ago, and we don't have any time. What's wrong with this picture? Well, something has gone missing. We've added all these new time-saving devices, and something's gone missing. I learned about the importance of missing things in medical school. It happened one morning when we were learning how to read x-rays and a, a woman had come through the emergency department the night before. This was at George Washington Hospital. And, uh, and a woman had come through. She'd had a complaint of a cough or something. They'd, they'd seen her. They did an x-ray, sent her home, told her she was fine. And they put this x-ray up that the doctor had read at night the radiology resident had read at night. Radiology 
uh, radiologist read in the morning and missed, and then the head of the department saw the x-ray, and he said, whoa, something's terribly wrong. Called the woman back. And he was showing us this. We live in a society where we're tuned to look for new things. And even when you read an x-ray, you're looking for a new thing, something that's on it that's not supposed to be there. A bullet, a knife, an infection, a tumor, a rib that's cracked that's not supposed to be. None of that's wrong with this x-ray. What's wrong is that the left collarbone, the left clavicle, is missing. And in the person then, it had been eaten away by cancer. Do you want to know how hard it is to see missing things? After the last church service, a gentleman walked up to me and he said, I'm an orthopedic surgeon, a bone doctor, and I couldn't find it on there. <laughs> I'm sure he's very competent at everything else. But like everyone else, we're not good at seeing missing things. And what has gone missing in my lifetime is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the long, the Sabbath commandment is the longest of the Ten Commandments. It's the longest of any commandment in the Bible. There's 613 commandments were given in the Old Testament. Some of them not so applicable. Uh, some of them have to do with a temple, which we don't have anymore. There's a commandment about what to do if you loan her your ox and it gores her to death. Don't you hate it when that happens? Yeah. But there's ten commandments that apply to all people, all times, all places. And let's read the Sabbath commandment together out of the ten commandments. Okay. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male slave or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I, I got asked to do the governor's prayer breakfast in my state uh, this year, and I thought I should be democratic, so I'm going to do the same thing here. Everyone who thinks the Ten Commandments are a good idea, raise your hands. All against. The eyes have it. Everybody here thinks the Ten Commandments are a great idea. How many of us would not be able to raise our hand, though, if I asked you, do you keep the Sabbath, the longest of the commandments? I won't ask you. Um, because I want to encourage you uh, by telling you what a great thing it can be if you, you add it into your life. Um, when I was a kid, uh, we grew up with this as a societal default. We had blue, everybody know what blue laws were? We had blue laws, you couldn't buy things, uh, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't buy groceries, you couldn't buy gasoline, you couldn't buy medicine. There was only one place in town that would take your money on Sunday. That's it. And despite all these things you couldn't do, I have great memories of Sunday as a kid, and I have not one distinct memory of Tuesday. 
growing up. And what I want you to do is buddy up and share with each other for a couple of minutes your best memory of Sundays growing up. What did you do on that day? What made it special? Maybe what didn't you do on that day? And um, if you're too young to remember this, there's a premium on people with no hair or gray hair. So get, get together and I'll keep track of time. Okay. By the way, just listen to that. It's a joyful noise, isn't it? Sharing those memories. How many of you had a memory of going to church on Sundays? Pretty good. Uh, how many of you remember meals with families? Yes, that's the number one memory, I think. How many of you remembered that you didn't shop on that day? Okay, most of you. How many of you took a nap on Sundays? Okay. How many of you were made to take a nap on Sundays? Yep, the hands shoot right up. Uh, these uh, memories uh, are connected to something. The, the Sabbath commandment sits right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. Its placement isn't accidental. Commandments one through three have to do with the Lord. I'm the Lord your God. You'll have no other gods above me. Uh, you're not to make idols of me. You can't conjure me up. And to call on the Lord's name is such a sacred thing to do that to do it uh, in irreverence is a sin. Don't take my Lord in the Lord's name in vain. And those commandments have to do with the Lord, do they not? And so we're going to put them over here. You're responsible for the Lord's commandments, all right? Commandments 5 through 10 have to do with people. They're what makes civilization civilized. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill, lie, cheat, steal, run around, put stuff on your credit card to keep up with your neighbor. I'm paraphrasing. It says, thou shall not put stuff on your credit card. Keep up with your neighbor. Those commandments have to do with people, do they not? They have nothing to do with God. And we'll put them over here. The Sabbath commandment, the longest commandment in Scripture, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. To which group does it belong? 
both. New Englanders, they're smart. I'm telling you, they're fast. Okay. It's a connection. It's a bridge. I think of the Sabbath as a bridge between heaven and earth, between God and humanity. It is the only commandment in Scripture which God specifically applies to God. God walks out onto that bridge, and we walk out onto that bridge, and we meet God in time. And uh, all those memories that you have have to do with the other commandments. I went to church. I sang. To the, it's not just that God doesn't want you to take his name in vain. He wants you to do the opposite. Call on him in reverence and in joy and in worship. And so you keep those first three commandments when you keep the Sabbath. Honor your parents. You remember having meals with them. Is there any way that a, gr a grandparent is more honored than having all the family for a meal? Thou shalt not kill. Remember, you took a nap. It's, it's impossible to kill somebody while you're sleeping, okay? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Remember, you were made to take a nap. And when you went to your parents' bedroom door, it was locked. There's kids here. I can't say anything more. Okay. Keeping the Sabbath, walking out onto that bridge, allows us to keep all the other Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not envy. You weren't shopping that day. They all fall into place and make sense. But... Something wants to take that away from us. Something is taking that away from us. Who has a vested interest in taking away the commandments about the Lord, people going to church, eating meals together, taking naps? Satan. Yes, say it. Satan wants to take that away from us. Remember that when I'm talking about Sabbath or when we're reading it, this is God trying to connect us, get a bridge to him. Uh, people have known that in order to get rid of God, you've got to get rid of the Sabbath. The French Revolution, they wanted to get rid of God and king. King's easy, separate him from his head, no problem. God's harder. They took away the Sabbath. They took Sunday off the calendar. They went to a 10-day work week, no Sunday on it. Russian Revolution, exact same thing. They knew the history of this. And they went to a five-day work week, no Sunday on it. D.L. Moody said, if you lose the Sabbath, you will lose the church. If you lose the church, you will lose the family, and the nation will go next. I think Moody was on to something. I think we'll lose our health as well. We're one of the wealthiest societies that's ever lived, and we're one of the most depressed. Uh, if you look at the societies that keep a Sabbath, they are less depressed. Um, and I think it's absolutely true that no one gets to the end of life and says, I was, wished I spent more time working. Have you ever heard that? It doesn't happen. So the Sabbath is something that kind of 
connects you uh, to the things that are important to God, to each other, to singing, uh, to naps, to family. The average person, if they keep a Sabbath all their life, are, are going to spend 10 or more years in their life Sabbathing. And we're involved in this experiment of seeing if people can grow up without it. To subtract 10 years of anything from anyone's life is going to profoundly change the character of their life, is it not? Wonder why things are changing so much. Uh, now, I want uh, some of you to take this up, and you're going to have to do it as a family or in a group. You can't, you can't do Sabbath alone. At very least, you need two of you to decide, you know, how, how are we going to do this? Uh, I'm really happy that many churches have taken this up that we've worked with. We've had whole seminaries do it. In the state of North Carolina, I have 2,000 pastors uh, that we're working with uh, on this. And they've gone from 9% to 37% uh, keeping it. I know that it can be done. And I just want to give you a heads up that there's one downside to keeping the Sabbath. And the only downside that I know of is called legalism. Do you know what legalism is? Legalism is when you think in a concrete manner. When uh, you start making these rules up that, that, that are not getting at the intent of Sabbath. And I use my daughter to illustrate a story about legalism. Put up the slide of my daughter. That's my daughter last year getting married. What a joyful day it was. I, I can't tell you how much fun it was. But she wasn't always capable of making abstract decisions like getting married. Once upon a time, she was a concrete thinker. In the next slide, like this. Okay? You know what she's doing there? I remember this day. We put her on a swing, and she went to swing. She didn't know you pulled the ropes, but she did know you made that face <laughs> when you swing. And she did something one day that illustrated legalism to, to a T. She and her brother, who's two years older, got into it or something. And her older brother, Clark, came running across the kitchen floor. And he was saying, Emma's trying to bite and hit me. Dad, stop her. She's trying to bite and hit me. And he, he ran by me in terror. And in she comes running. And I'm saying, Emma, stop, stop, stop. Nothing. I am not getting through. And so I scooped her up off the ground, and I'm holding her here, and she's still running like a little <laughs> cartoon character. And I said, Emma, what are you doing trying to bite and hit your brother? And she had the look of the unjustly accused all of a sudden. She said, I am not trying to bite and hit Clark. I am just trying to bite him. <laughs> that is legalism, Okay. When you take up the Sabbath, I would say keep your eye on the intent. And in order to get that in focus, I go to Christ. How did Christ keep the Sabbath? Well, it's interesting that Christ did the majority of his miracles on the Sabbath. And he only did one kind of miracle. He didn't walk on water that day. He didn't make 5,000 filet of fish sandwiches. <laughs> Every miracle that he did 
was a healing. And he said that the Sabbath was meant to save man. Man was not meant to save the Sabbath. Sabbath was meant to save man. When Jesus started his ministry in his childhood uh, synagogue in, uh, in Nazareth, he was handed the scrolls and read from Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He had been anointed to set the captives free. The blind were going to see. He was there to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Do you know what the acceptable year of the Lord is? The Jubilee year. The mother of all Sabbaths. And they wanted to know what he thought about it. And he said, you've seen it come true today. He's saying, I am the Sabbath. When and if you take up the, the joy of Sabbath keeping... Remember that you're going to meet Christ and you're going to be healed. That's been my experience. Um, let me tell you a little bit about what I do on the Sabbath. Um, Nancy and I have been keeping it for about 12 years. Uh, we have to turn the computers off. I don't know how many emails you get a day, a couple hundred. And... Uh, and she just, she has a ritual of closing the computer. You have to prepare for it. You have to do your shopping and all that sort of things ahead of time. And um, one of the things we do is we read through the Bible. I've been reading it out loud for the last couple of years. I use the three by five method. I read three chapters every day out loud to Nancy and five on, on Sunday. And you'll get exactly through the Bible in a year. And it's been a real joy to do that. Um, another thing I do is every day of the week, in preparation for my Sabbath, I look for and I find a miracle every day. And I write that miracle down. And if you look for miracles, by the way, you will find them. You're not looking for them, you won't see them. And then I, on um, Sunday, read through what's happened the week before it has totally changed me as a human being. I used to be a sarcastic ER doctor and director, and now I'm not. <laughs> I have a demonstration. Can you bring up my, my prop here? And what's his name again? Riley. Her name yes. is Riley. This is shameless, is it not? I, I want to hold a baby. Okay. What kind of world is Riley going to grow up in? We don't know, do we? And you don't, you don't know what kind of world, but you know what kind of family and home she can grow up in. And this church can determine what kind of church she grows up in. Is it a church that goes 24-7? Or is it a church and a family and a home that trusts in the Lord? and the Lord's Sabbath. God gives a promise if you keep the Sabbath, and I've found that God's promises are true. And I want to read one of those promises out of the book of Isaiah together. Can we put it up? This is the message version. Let's read it together. This is the promise of what will happen if you keep the Sabbath. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day to personal advantage... If you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, 
God's holy day as a celebration if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. Okay, Riley. Let's say a prayer, all right, Riley? All right, let's close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for the gift of Sabbath. Put it on our hearts to make this world a place where Riley and her contemporaries can grow up knowing you, the Prince of Peace. We ask all this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.